This morning, we're going to be looking at the passage of Scripture that is very, very well known. It is known as the passage about the Good Shepherd, or the discourse on the Good Shepherd. And we've looked at this passage of Scripture several times. But this morning, I want us to look at it maybe in a little bit of a different light. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 15 here in just a minute. But all of us here today, that we have areas of responsibility, whether how, no matter how young or old we might be, there's an area that we have a responsibility, whether it be at church or be at home, be at work or school, that we have a responsibility to lead someone else. And as a Christian, God gives us those responsibilities, whether it be in the Sunday school or whether it be uh, at home as being parents to children, whatever it is, God has given all of us responsibilities. And we see in John chapter 10 the example of the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn a little bit about more about shepherds. I know I've preached on this before, but I'm going to expand on it a little bit. But there's two types of shepherds that are mentioned in this passage of Scripture. There is the good shepherd or a shepherd, and then there is what's called a hireling, someone who is hired to take care of the sheep. Now, there's been some preachers that have preached messages about pastors. Are you a shepherd or are you a hireling? Uh, what the difference is, is a shepherd is the family shepherd. Uh, we're going to learn in a minute how a shepherd came to be and still is done this way in the Middle East. Uh, because many times we think of shepherds, you know, we think of the English Moors, you know, we think of border collies and things like that. I want us to think in the Middle Eastern sense because there are so many lessons here that Jesus was trying to teach those he was speaking to. He was speaking to Jewish people here in chapter number 10, and there's a lot of lessons for us here. But if we could stand out of respect for the ring of the Word of God, John chapter 10, beginning verse number 11, in a message entitled, A Shepherd or a Hireling. A Shepherd or a Hireling. So let's begin in verse number 11, verse number 11 go down through verse number 15. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless you. Dearly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Pray that you will bless this message, Lord, that you've laid on my heart. And Lord, there is so much knowledge here. I pray that you would give me clarity of thought to present it, but also, Lord, to challenge us. Of which one are we? Are we a shepherd? Do we act as one in our areas of responsibility over people as a Christian ought to? Or are we a hireling? Are we just doing it for reward? And I pray, that, dear Lord, that we would be faithful in every area of our life, especially in our service to you. I pray your blessing, and I pray that you'll guide and direct us in this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A shepherd or a hireling. You know, many times we like to categorize what we do. Uh, many times we'll categorize our life into home, work, and church. And church is where we serve God. Home is where we serve the family and uh the workplace is where we serve our job. And so all three of these things are compartmentalized. 
they are all three different things that we do. But in reality, that is not so. Everything that we do ought to be done for the glory and honor of God. And that everything that we do, we ought to be serving God, whether it's at church, at work, or at home. But right here, we're going to look at the description that Jesus gives of himself as the good shepherd. Remember, Jesus said another passage, as they call them, good master. He says, there is none good but God, and he being the son of God, is the good shepherd. And there are some major differences that we see in this passage between a shepherd and a hireling, and we're going to look at those today. But the question really is, which Christian are you this morning? All of us have areas of responsibility that uh, those that depend on us. No matter if you're a young person, there's an area of responsibility, whether it be your schoolwork or you usually have some kind of responsibility maybe over a younger sibling, something like that. But a hireling is someone who is hired to do a job, and that is all. But a shepherd is something more. Sometimes we look at shepherds and like, well, they're just out there tending their sheep. That's just their job. When a shepherd has sheep, those sheep are his life, and there's a difference there. So let's look at what makes him different. Well, the question here that's very important, how does one become a shepherd? Now, we're thinking in Middle Eastern terms in Palestine today, uh, it is still done this way, that tending sheep is considered uh, a menial responsibility. It's considered something that is uh, not as high up there. Usually farmers, when they, they would be farmers of barley or wheat, they would also have sheep. And the tending of the sheep came to the youngest boy in the house. And so when that uh, boy, if there was more than one son, that boy would grow to be older, and then that uh, the second oldest would become old enough to tend the sheep, then he would take it, then eventually the third. And this is exactly what you see when David was chosen as king, that Samuel came to see Jesse, David's father, and all of his brethren were there. They were farmers, but David was out tending the sheep. Why? Because he was the youngest. But whoever's the youngest, this is interesting, whoever's the last one, as they grow up, they become, their job is to be the family shepherd. Their job is to be, until they, get, they are married and they go off somewhere else, their job, no matter how old they are, is to be the family shepherd. It's passed down. And so there's a great lesson here in that a shepherd is not just, these aren't just sheep. These are, this isn't just a job that they're hired to do. A shepherd is family. And they take care of their father's sheep. If you look at John chapter 10 again, and look at verses 28 and 29, I encourage you to be familiar with John chapter 10. It's a great witnessing tool that we can use to lead someone to Christ. John chapter 10, verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He is giving them an illustration, something that they would understand. And that is the eternal security we have in Christ. We can't lose our salvation. We can't lose the gift of God because God is greater than all. And that he, we are in his hand when we accept Jesus Christ as his son. And we are placed in the Father's hand. And no man can plug us out of the Father's hand. We don't need to be worrying about what some people worry about losing their salvation. Some people worry, well, if I do something bad, then God is going to cast me out. No, we are securely in the family of God. We are adopted. We are 
adopted as sons and daughters of God. And here, that we become part of his fold. And when a sheep goes into a fold, and that's where they stay, and they are taken care of by a shepherd. Well, there's something that shepherds do. There's several things. The first thing is that a shepherd shows special care. A shepherd takes special care of his sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. And as we go through some of these things, you're going to see that some of the parallels of what Jesus does for us. The first thing he does is that he defends them. A shepherd will defend against wild animals. We see David defended his sheep against a lion and a bear. Uh, There are wolves, there are coyotes, there are different types of animals. But he defends them with three things. He defends them, of course, we know the sling, famous sling of David that is still used to this day. It is not only used for defense, it's also used to, uh, to warn sheep if they're wandering off too far, uh, that the shepherd will send a stone beyond the sheep to land near them, to warn them to, hey, time to come back. But they also have a shepherd's staff. Sometimes as a crook on the end, we all are familiar with that. But it, oh, maybe you're not familiar with as much as what's called the shepherd's rod. And that, you know, in Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I always wonder, why does it mention two different things? Because a shepherd's rod is like a policeman's club. Many times it has a knob on the end. They might even embed nails on it. Its sole purpose is to defend the sheep. I don't know about you. I want to meet somebody with a club with nails on the end, right? But it's for to defend off wild animals, thieves, and robbers. And that when someone attacks the sheep or tries to steal them, that shepherd's going to go after them, and he is going to defend the sheep. You know that the Lord Jesus Christ defends us? Amen? He defends us. He prays for us. He intercedes on our behalf. And I believe when we get to heaven, we'll be able to ask, Lord, Lord, how many things did you spare me from? How many things did you save me from? Don't ever think that God has forsaken you. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He defends us. There are so many things, so many examples that if we really think back, we can give credit to God. Many times we give credit to coincidence. Well, that was a coincidence that I didn't get in that car wreck. It's a coincidence that I think, you know, several times this week that when driving by, I was driving by car accidents and after car accidents, actually the other day, I maybe heard about that uh, older gentleman. I don't know why he was in the middle of I-14, but he got hit and he died. And actually, that I drove by right after that happened. I saw people giving him CPR on the side of the road. Hard thing to see, but you know what? How many times... Do we think that, well, how much has the Lord provided safe haven for us and has defended us and has protected us from things that the devil wanted to destroy us with? Amen. Aren't you glad that he defends you? He is in our corner. We're not left out there by ourselves in that somewhere. Sometimes we can have this view that he's just up in heaven and that he'll just lend us a hand every once in a while. No, he'll never leave us or forsake us. He will be there. He will defend them. The second thing that in this area of special care is that he feeds them with green pasture. There's several different ways that he feeds them. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the Middle East, especially in Israel. There are some areas that are green, have green pasture, but then there are other areas that are more wilderness. And if you look at, especially with Moses, when he was on the backside of the desert, he was in a wilderness area. How do you keep sheep in the wilderness? What they have to do during the winter time, they actually keep them in like a barn or uh, a sheepfold area, I'm going to get to that in a minute, uh, but that they have to give them hay, have to feed them regularly, 
Then other times they take him up into the mountains where the budding trees and green leaves, the shepherd has to cut down branches and all kinds of things just so that the sheep can eat the leaves off the trees because they can't get up to the trees level to bite them off. So he has to feed them. It's not about just hey, let them go out there and eat the green pasture. That's the easy part of being a shepherd. But they had to go and they had to cut and they had to gather that food and make sure that those sheep had food to eat. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. And when we're in the position of being responsible for other people as being a shepherd, it's our job to feed and take care of those that are under us. Parents, it's our job to feed our children. Amen? Uh, Not for the government to feed them, but for us to feed them. Amen? And that not only physically, but most importantly, spiritually, to feed them. Many times we, uh, we have fallen into a fallacy in Christianity that the church and the Christian school and the home school provide all the spiritual instruction that a child requires. You are wrong. A child requires more spiritual instruction than just going to church, going to Sunday school, going and going to being homeschooled or going to the Christian school or doing after-school church programs or kids clubs and things like that, going to youth group. A child requires more spiritual instruction than that. It is mom and dad's job to feed their children spiritually. You are to defend them, yes, but also defend them physically and spiritually, but to feed them spiritually. That's why we have family devotion time. That's why we have prayer time at home. That's why you have one-on-one instruction. It says in Deuteronomy, that we're to instruct them while we walk by the way, when we rise up and when we lie down. That is 24-7. That's all the time to teach them. Guess what? We have three boys. We spend a lot of time teaching, right? Don't hit your brother with a stick. That isn't nice. Right? Don't bite them. You know, that's what we have one that does that. My one son, my older son, comes in crying his eyes out. Like, what happened? You know, he doesn't cry for anything. He, he said, Philip bit me. He had a big old red mark on him, on him, you know, and we're like, okay. You know, you're just like, why do these children do that? They need some training and some instruction, right? And then they're going to look back, Dad, why did you use this as illustrations when you preach? But anyway, as a preacher's kid thing, but... <clears throat> We have to give them some instruction. Need to feed them. With the, and sometimes we just focus on the green pasture. Hey, let's get them in a church that they're going to get some green pasture, that they're going to get some easy food, that they're, we can just put them in there and we can put them in the Christian school. Hey, we got them in the good Sunday school class. Hey, we're good. No, there needs to be some trees and some hay that you need to cut down and you need to feed and you need to prepare and you need to spend some time giving to your children. That goes for Sunday school teachers, too. That goes for preachers. Guess what? It's real easy to get up here and give some green pastures. It's real easy to take 10 minutes and just get some green pastures together and say, hey, guess what? Everybody's feeding on that. Hey, that's easy. There's some easy things to preach about. But guess what? There's some hard things to preach about and teach about. There's some hard things that we need to be instructing our children. There's some hard things that need to be mentioned in your Sunday school class. There's some hard things that need to be mentioned in children's church. Why? Because it's not all about the green pastures. It's about sometimes getting to the harder things. 
But not only does he defend them and he feeds them, but also he helps heal them. Guess what? Sheep get hurt. They get hurt. They go through bushes. They maybe cut their leg on a rock and all of these things, but he helps heal them. Scratches or cuts are anointed with olive oil. That's perhaps when Jesus said, when in the, or in Psalm 23, David wrote, Thou anointest my head with oil. And that they would get scratched on their legs or their head. They get caught in thorns or sharp rocks. And then they would be anointed with olive oil. So when you understand, I highly recommend researching what a Middle Eastern shepherd would do. Because you would see that David describes it all the time, all the way through Psalms. And that it means something. These sheep were not just his father's sheep. These sheep were part of the family. These sheep were, well, they're just, you know, many times we view livestock in a way that, well, they're just livestock, they're just a bunch of cattle, they are impersonal. This is not how they're treated. These sheep have names. Each one has a name. And the shepherd knows. And it's an amazing thing, even at night, that a shepherd, a Middle Eastern shepherd in Palestine today can still, they take, they have the, the mothering ewes and the lambs have been separated and the mothers are calling out. And even in the dark, the shepherd can know which lamb goes with which mother and can do that at night and know which one goes with which in the dark. No flashlights. They know by their sound and they know by different characteristics. Why? Because they know those sheep. And so when Jesus is telling them that, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. What he is saying is, I know everything about you, no matter what happens. He is giving them the illustration of a shepherd on purpose to show that this is his, my tender love and care and concern for you. And that brings us to the second area. They have, first, they have special care. Second, they have a special relationship. Every shepherd has a special call for his sheep. And the sheep learn this. It has done the same way it's done a particular tone of voice and sheep are very intelligent when it comes to hearing things there can be four and five different flocks of sheep all mixed in together around a well which is very common you would see that in the old testament where herds of sheep would come together and a shepherd will stand there and they will call with their particular call and their sheep will come to just him All three of the shepherds or four of the shepherds can be calling at the same time and the sheep will all separate into their particular flocks. Why? They tune everything else out, but they hear the voice of the shepherd. The sheep know this call and will only respond to him. Someone else can try and imitate the call, but they will not respond to that person. That's what brings us back to John chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, and to him the porter openeth. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." Wow, isn't this packed with me? This is a whole other sermon right here. As a Christian, we should only respond to the voice of Jesus Christ, our the good shepherd. We shouldn't respond to the voices of strangers around us in this world. But also, young people, you need to make sure that you hear the voice of your parents and no other voices. 
That's very, very important. That there's a lot of voices that are going to tell you to disrespect your parents, to disregard your parents, to disobey your parents. Hey, your parents don't understand. They're strangers. Don't listen to them. Listen to the voice of your parents, your mom and your dad, because they watch for your souls as your pastor. I watch for your soul. But young people, always listen to the leading of your parents. They are God's shepherd over you. Listen carefully to them. Amen. We need to listen to them. But also, we see in verse number 16 of John chapter 10, look over here, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. As we look down through this passage and you read it, you know what it sounds like? It sounds interesting when it gets to this verse, in that I will lead them, and they will come with me. But then there are other sheep. This is talking about the Gentiles, okay? This is talking about us. And that, what does it say? I must, and also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. If you look, ask me, if you look at it, it kind of sounds like the rapture when you read it, when he's coming back, and we, he calls for us, and we hear him, and we go to meet with him in the air. Anyway, that's a side note. But he names his sheep. He loves them. He names them. He even at times plays with them. A Middle Eastern shepherd will play with them even at times. And there are those who are close to the shepherd and those who are further away. When they're crossing a stream, this is very interesting, is there may be a brook that, a sheep, that the sheep have to cross. And so what he will do, a Middle Eastern shepherd always goes before his sheep. He sometimes will walk beside them, but if they're going into the sheepfold, they know where to go. He'll walk behind them to make sure that no stragglers get in. But if they're going to a new pasture, they're going somewhere, they can, he has complete control of those sheep, that he walks ahead of them, and they can walk on either side of a field, and there are narrow areas, uh, lanes in between fields, and there's no fences over there, and they have barley and wheat. And if those sheep eat any of that barley or the wheat, he has to pay the farmer damages for whatever they eat. Okay, so that can get expensive if you have 100 sheep, okay? So what he does, he trains them, and he walks ahead of them, and they follow him, and especially when they're going across the stream, there are certain sheep that are just right there. They listen to him, and they're right there, and they're zealous, and they follow him right across. But then there are those that are kind of wandering ones. There are ones that kind of hold back, and they're kind of stubborn and willful, and they'll sometimes get into trouble. And what they'll do is they'll stand at the edge of the river kind of fearful, looking like, well, should we really do this? And they can kind of get across, and then there are some that hold way back. They get scared halfway through, and even they might even get swept away a little bit. But you know what the shepherd does? Is he jumps in and he saves them and he pulls them out. But he says it's an amazing thing to see over in the Middle East is that when they're all done over the river is that they all gather around the shepherd and they start bleeding. And they start calling out, it's as if to say thank you for getting them across. They all gather around the shepherd after they get safely across. Interesting, isn't it? Isn't that how we should follow the Lord? Which one are we going to be? Are we going to be the one that's right there, or are we going to be the one that's kind of afar off? But a shepherd has to go through those things. He leads people. As you read these descriptions, you can see different types of people. As a pastor, I read this, and I listen to these different things, and I say, well, there's different types of people at different times that can fall into these categories. But he loves them. He names them. And he's there for them. The ones that are close to him will follow him everywhere. The ones farther away are more hesitant to follow through 
seemingly dangerous waters. Well, in all of these things, there's a conclusion here. All of these things require several things. First of all is love. You know, the Lord loves us, and if we're going to lead people, we need to love people too. You know what? Even at work, do we care about the lives of the people that we are leading? If you do, you care about in the military. I know uh, many times you face situations. Do you care about the lives of your soldiers? Do you care about the lives of your children? So, of course, we do. Are we involved in their lives? You know, sometimes we can lead people not be involved, right? We can lead people and not not take time to care and not take time to listen. And, you know, we're there to do a job. And maybe as parents, we're there to do a job. We're there to provide and we're there to train and we're there. But do we actually take the time to develop that close relationship with our children, to develop the leadership style of compassion and and care? All of these things require love, requires dedication. Guess what? It's not easy being a shepherd. Not easy. Take some dedication. And the shepherds, they do their job. They're dedicated to the sheep, but also they're dedicated to pleasing their father who gave them those sheep. That's what Jesus says, that God the, God the Father gave him us as his sheep, and he has dedicated himself to us by giving his life on the cross so that we might have eternal life. And also, he loves his father, and he does the will of his father. Takes time. Oh, it takes time to lead people. It takes time to be a dedicated Christian. It takes time to be a shepherd. And it takes sacrifice. The only way to be a shepherd is to be committed for life. That this is what your life's work is, to be committed. But there are times when the shepherd maybe gets a flock that is too big and he must hire someone. He must hire someone to help him take care of the sheep. This is what's called a hireling, someone that is hired. But there's a difference here. A hireling only does this because they're getting paid. A shepherd does this because he loves and he cares for these sheep. They're his life. But a hireling is someone that just does it for money. And guess what? Sometimes we encounter that in Christianity, is that there are people who are serving God, not because they love him, not because God has given them, given them a responsibility of some sheep to lead, but because, hey, you know what? God promises to bless me in the end, right? Oh, God's going to bless me, and I'm going to get what I, I'm, I'm going to get something great when I get to heaven. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know if they have Ferraris up there. I don't think they do. But, you know, I'm just going to get a blessing. Yes, does God bless us when we serve him? Yes, he does. Absolutely does. But our main motivation shouldn't be the blessing. I'll say that again. God does bless us, but our main motivation shouldn't be the blessing. Should we want to have the blessing of God in our life and His protection, His care, and following His will? Absolutely. But if the only reason we're serving God is so we get something good out of it, and as, it, um, as in uh, Judges, Micah, he served uh, for 10 shekels in a shirt. And also he served, it was a, the, the priest became the priest of Micah and served for 10 shekels in a shirt. But the only reason why Micah served God, it's not the same Micah later on in the Old Testament, but a different one, but he just said that God will do me good. He didn't do it because he loved God. He didn't do it because God had done so much for him. and said, well, that, so God will bless me, so I'll have bigger crops, so I'll have more cattle, so I'll, have, I'll be blessed and protected from all that's going on around me. And so I'll just do this because I want a blessing. 
And Jesus even illustrated that with the lepers that came, and they just wanted a blessing, but actually two came back and said what? Thank you for what you did for me, and truly cared about what God had done for them. The only way to be a shepherd is to be committed for life, but a hireling, someone who is paid to help wash the sheep, he doesn't love them. He does his job like he's supposed to. He does not sacrifice for them. The sheep do not respond to him the same way either. He flees when they're in danger, and when he's in danger, he will not lay down his life for the sheep. That's too much for him. Hey, it isn't worth me dying for what I'm getting paid to do. Oh, isn't that sad when we see someone turn back from following after God because they say, well, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Oh, Jesus gave his life for you. Oh, it's definitely worth it. But if we're getting into worth, well, it's not worth it to me. Oh, the shepherd doesn't think of himself. He thinks of his sheep. He's always thinking of his sheep. He's thinking of their care. He's thinking of what they need to do to have be, be protected. What talked about the sheepfold is actually was a stone barn, if you will, type of area that they would build on the mountainside and so to keep them from the cold wind. But what they would do on the roof area, they would put uh, glass and thorns and all kinds of things and nails on top. So if someone, a wild animal or a thief, tried to climb over the top and get in the front, that, that's why Jesus said, it would come any other way except through the door. You're a thief or a robber. But that they would also, they would defend those sheep when someone would try to come in and steal them. They would say, no, I'm not going to let you. A hireling's going to run. So go ahead, take him. It's not worth me dying for it. It's not worth me giving up everything for those sheep. If you're going to be a missionary, then you better be ready to be a shepherd. You find out missionaries that end up, that are hirelings, they don't last very long. They'll be over there a while, but they come back and they say, well, it wasn't worth it. Pretty much everything a shepherd is not is what a hireling is. The opposite. Sure, he'll do the job, but when the adversities strike and the going gets tough, then he is nowhere to be found. Let me ask a question today. Are you, which one are you? Are you the shepherd because God is giving that responsibility, or are you the hireling? Well, God gave me that responsibility, but you know what? I'm really not in it to serve God. I'm in it for me. I'm in it for what God can do for me. I'm here because I'm getting paid, Right? Unfortunately, there's some, some, some pastors out there like that. I'm only here because when I'm getting paid, I'm getting the big check, and I have my job to put out some good sermons every week. But they don't care for the sheep. There are some parents out there who say, well, God gave me these kids. I guess I better take care of them. You know, when the going gets tough, and things happen, well, you know, things like that happen. Always amazes me when pep, those type of things come out of parents' mouths. When their child is in trouble and their child is in sin, well, those things happen. That's a hireling, not a shepherd. That's someone said, I just had a job to do, and I tried to do the best I could, but I guess it didn't work out. Oh, well. That's someone's life that we're entrusted with. Now, I'll say very fewly do have I encounter parents like that, but still, you encounter them. Why? Because they're a hireling. They're in it because that's what I was paid to do. Which kind of Christian are you? Are you in it to serve God, or are you in it for what God can do for you? Are you in it just for God to do something good in your life and to give you something good, to give you something? Or are, do you serve God because you love him, because he loves you, because he gave his life 
for the sheep, and you're one of his sheep, and you've accepted him, and now you're part of the fold, and now God has given you some responsibility to be a shepherd, to lead and to care and to serve him. If we're doing it because we're a hireling, sometimes people serve in the church. Well, pastor asked me. That's the only reason I do it. Pastor asked. That's the only reason I do stuff. I wouldn't do anything at all if pastor hadn't asked me. That's not being a shepherd. I love it when people come to me and say, Pastor, what can I do? You know what? I've been praying about for someone to do this job. Will you be willing? Yes, Pastor, absolutely. I'll do that. That's how we serve God. We should go, God, what do you want me to do? Not wait for him to knock. You know, sometimes we act as Christians. We come in a missions conference, by the way, so everybody get ready. Here it is. You know what? We sit there, and we're just like, you know what? I'm just waiting for God to say something to me, and I really hope he doesn't. Maybe he's, ah, Lord, you can call me anywhere, but I'm not, I hope you don't. You know what? How about we go to God? God, what would you have me to do? I'm willing to do anything. What do you want me to do? You know, God honors that. God's looking for someone. Like with Isaiah, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And so what is that conversation going on? Isaiah was given an inside look of what goes on in heaven. And God is asking the question, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah wasn't supposed to hear that conversation. He was, and God allowed him to hear it, but normally we don't hear that conversation going on in heaven. I think it still goes on today. And God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, hey, God, if you want somebody, I'll go for you. I can't do anything. I don't know what to say, but hey, I'll go. And guess what? God sent him and considered one of the greatest prophets that Israel ever had. And God used him of all the people in the Old Testament. Who did God use to give more prophecies concerning Christ than anybody else? He gave it to him. That he who would come to save their people from their sins. God gave it to Isaiah to tell the world and to tell Israel. Which one are you? Are we a shepherd or are we a hireling? Just a hired hand. Or do we love the responsibility that God has given to us and take it to heart and lead as Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Pray that you will bless this invitation time. And Lord, maybe we've been asked a question today that we never really thought about before. Why do we serve you? Do we serve you from love or do we just serve you for what we get out of the deal? Oh, Lord, I pray that we would serve you only out of love and adoration, that we would serve you with sacrifice and willing to give ourselves as a living sacrifice, as Roman 12, 1 says. Lord, I pray maybe some questions have been risen in some people's minds, and I pray that today that they would seek your answer, for you only give the only true answers. Lord, I pray for some here today that maybe they're not saved. They don't know for sure that their sins are forgiven. They don't know the good shepherd. I pray that they would come to him today. Lord, help us to lead and to care as you would. To defend, to heal, and to protect. To feed. 
others as you feed us. We pray that you would guide and direct this invitation time. We pray your blessing, and if any are not saved today, dear Lord, that you would give them the courage to come to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.